416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator in but a few minutes, uh, in minutes. But first, we always start every show, Savan, with the week that was some interesting cases that have been on your desk and through the uh, through the system. So uh, enlighten us, please. All right. Well, we have a few of them this week, John. Let me start off with, uh, with an email I just received literally on my way to the uh, studio here. And this was uh, a question that was posed on our website, one of the questions websites we have, myaccidentquestions.com. So I'll read it out to you and then we can dissect the answer here. The question is this, is there any formula to calculate how much to ask as a settlement in an accident insurance claim? My husband had an accident at a neighbor's house while he was helping the neighbor clear snow. He slipped and his hand went into the snowblower chute. He required two surgeries with finally an amputation of part of one finger and a permanent metal brace in another. He's in constant pain and has lost a good percentage of his strength, flexibility, and maneuverability of his left hand. He cannot grip tools like he used to. Everything takes longer and he often drops things. The insurance company has told us that we have to calculate an amount as damages and I have no idea how to go about doing that. Any info would be helpful. Thanks. Oh, you got info. Well, first of all, if you're looking to figure out how much an injury is worth in terms of pain and suffering, then we're going to go to that tool that we're going to talk about yeah. a bit later, injurycalculator.ca. But that's the beginning of the analysis. Remember, injury claims are not only about compensation for pain and suffering. They're also about compensation for other, for other categories of, of damages, such as, let's say that this individual had a type of job that required his hands, like many of us. Sure. Well, in that case, if he cannot do his job or has to perhaps get another job that pays less, well, now he has an income loss claim or a loss of competitive advantage claim because he's less competitive in the workforce. What if, because of this injury, uh, he needs help around the house? Clearly, now he has diminished strength, uh, diminished uh, ability to do things. Well, he may need to hire people to help with various household activities, home maintenance tasks. Again, that's an out-of-pocket expense that he's experiencing because of this. So my answer to this lady, and you can go on the website and see, is that first of all, the calculation or, or the, the formula as she's asking me to, to, to provide it, uh, there's no such thing as a formula. You can get an idea from the injury calculator uh, how much you could potentially get for pain and suffering, but as to the other categories of damage, that's something we have to look at on a case-by-case basis, and I have to speak with her, and I've invited her to call me or email me so that I can give her more information. Very, very important to understand that when you're dealing with an insurance company, first of all, it's not a balanced fight, okay? Insurance companies, insurance adjusters, that's their business. That's what they're doing. If they're telling you to come back to them with a number, Mm -hmm. beware, be careful, because I have seen many cases. In fact, I've had people call me after listening to the show and reading my articles saying, oh, wait a second, you're talking about this and that, these categories of damages. I had this accident. I settled for 20,000, 30,000, and I'm telling them, hold on. Did you sign that release? They say yes. Did you get the, mo- the money in? Did you, did you put it into your bank account? Yes. Well, guess what? You deserved a six-figure oh, settlement. want to kill. At the very least. Yes, exactly, oh. because people don't know. How would they know, right? Again, keep in mind, if you are dealing with an adjuster and you are not in the business of injury claims, mm-hmm. insurance claims, it's an uneven fight. You do so at your own peril. What else you got? All right, let's talk about an LTD case. So this is interesting. This lady contacted me. She lives in Cambridge. Uh, She started receiving LTD in November of 2013. So we are now almost three years out. Okay. So she's past that two year mark of getting disability, long-term disability. 
And the reason why she's on disability is because she had uterine cancer. And she, she's still under the care of an oncologist and a family doctors, etc. And why did she contact me? Because apparently the insurance company had written to her family doctor earlier this year asking for an update. Apparently the family doctor did not provide that update. There was radio silence for whatever reason okay. from the family doctor. And now she just received a letter this past October, well, right now, uh, asking, uh, no, no, sorry, not asking, telling her that because the insurance company hasn't heard from her family doctor, they are going to be cutting her off at the end of November. Can you believe that, John? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just, this is absolutely outrageous. So the insurance company here is taking this unilateral uh, uh, decision to cut her off from LTD when she's still trying to recuperate from this illness Right? We're not talking about an invisible injury. Right. We'll talk about those uh, later on the show. We're talking about cancer, for God's sakes. So again, this is not difficult for us to resolve. We're going to write to the insurance company. We're going to tell them to hold off, not do anything. Uh, but it's just amazing how many times insurance companies and adjusters jump the gun. Oh, for sure. A and, you know, God help me, I have no idea why they simply did not communicate with her earlier, telling her, listen, there is a communication issue here with your family doctor, perhaps call your doctor, call the assistant there at the office, get them to give us whatever we need. You know, but keep in mind, the fact that the insurance company is going to cut her off because of this non-communication doesn't mean that they're not going to cut her off even if we establish communication. So again, understand that as soon as there is a problem with your long-term disability insurer, as soon as they are threatening to cut you off, seek legal advice. Give me a call, email me, Oftentimes, I can give you a little bit of advice that could completely change the landscape. And oftentimes, you're not going to actually need to hire us even to deal with it because we can tell you what to do. Very, very important. If you do nothing, if you bury your head in the sand, I can guarantee you, you're going to get cut off. I bet you the uh, soon-to-be-cut-off department in any insurance companies probably takes up a whole floor, right? Like that's just More you know, than one floor, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, just like uh, you know, when you have a car accident, you have adjusters that deal with property damage, right? Repair right. to your car, written off cars, uh, dealing with bodily injuries. They have tons, tons of adjusters that deal just with that. Same thing with long-term disability insurers. Their adjusters deal with these kinds of things all the time. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Three email. We'll get a bunch of those throughout the show. You want to check out the injury calculator before we uh, even start talking about it, go have a, have a look and punch some information into it and see what you get. It is theinjurycalculator.ca. More of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. This is Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator. I did mention it once, but we'll go through it in more detail exactly how it works, why it works, and how excellent it is. But before, uh, before that, we're going to get to a few more cases uh, that have come across your desk in the firm uh, lately. So this one is actually a consultation request from the injury calculator itself. Nice. Uh, this individual is 38 years old. Uh, he had a slip and fall. Uh, back in 2014, he's from Aurelia, and uh, he injured his arm. It's a, it's a fractured arm, and he states that he's not working at all as a result of the injury. Now, the calculator calculated that his pain and suffering is going to be at around $70,000. Keep in mind, I don't have any other information, and we're going to talk about how the calculator provides yep. this estimate down the road. This is the key thing here. He's 38 and he's unable to work. So even though the calculator says that he may be entitled to or owed $70,000 for the uh, hand, what if he had a job that he had to use his he hands for? He pallets or whatever, could, yeah. Exactly. Maybe a factory job. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's 38. He's unable to work. Let's say he was earning $50,000 a year. Let's say he can't work for 
five years. Mm-hmm. Just as an example, right? Young guy, and then he finds another job or gets retrained. Right. Five thousand, sorry, fifty thousand times five years, two hundred and fifty thousand. It dwarfs the amount exactly the amount of money that he's entitled to for pain and suffering. But here's the kicker, John. I'm looking at the date of the accident, April twenty nine, two thousand and fourteen. Oh, jeez. Right. Uh, we are now in late 2016. Yeah. He is beyond the yeah. two-year mark. So I don't know at this point whether or not he's already hired a lawyer to represent him with respect to that uh, incident and whether he just wants you know, a second look from me, a second opinion. Mm-hmm. If he did not start a claim, he may have an uphill battle here because he's beyond the two-year mark. Again, remember, everyone out there, if you have an accident, if you're injured, you have two years to bring that claim. If you don't bring that claim for compensation within those two years, you could potentially be out of luck. It doesn't matter how serious the injury is. You could be catastrophically injured, right? And again, there are exceptions to the limitation period, but you do not want to be in a position where you have to argue those exceptions. It just means that the value of your case is significantly diminished. For sure. 416-216-5910 and injurycalculator.ca. What else you got? The last thing I was going to mention is this. One of my associates uh, does a little bit of defense work. So I don't do that kind of work anymore. I only work for people who are injured and disabled, but he does a little bit of defense work. So he represents uh, defendants. And he he came to me this week and uh, he he told me something that was actually quite funny to me, Uh, not funny for the plaintiff in that case, uh, but it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a word of advice for people to, to know that they have to hire the right law firm, the right lawyer. So he's defending that case. The lawyer representing the injured individual, he's communicating with that lawyer. Okay. Apparently, there is a second lawyer in that firm that is unaware that the first lawyer is dealing with it. So you have two lawyers in the same law firm that don't know that they're both representing the same individual. That's How is that weak. possible? How is that? Po- that I've never seen that before. And he's scratching his head, and I'm scratching my head. Of course, we're looking at the name of this law firm, and you know, I'm not going to say the name of the law firm, but let me just say that they don't have the best yeah, reputation. It's a Barney Rubble Institute of Law. But my God, holy cow! I'll tell you, it's just it, it breaks my heart because a lot of times, a lot of times, uh, these individuals who are injured, they go to a law firm because they've seen an ad somewhere or some clinic had referred them, not knowing that uh, maybe there's something untoward happening between the clinic and yep. the lawyer. And, and then, you know, their case is tainted. Their case is contaminated. And they end up settling the case for a fraction of what they and their family deserves. It's just, it's, it's tragic. So in this case, it's good for my client, for my associate's client, the defendant. But how many of these cases are out there where the law firms and lawyers don't know what they're doing? Injury calculator. Give me some deets, as the kids say. All right, so it's an online tool. It's free. It's anonymous. It takes you 15 to 20 seconds to complete. Literally drop down menus or click on menus. Yep. And all you do there is you go on it. And if you want to know how much you could potentially be owed for your pain and suffering, for your injury, whether it's from a trip and fall, slip and fall, car accident, motorcycle accident, dog bite, whatever, mm-hmm. you want to know how much is my broken arm worth, right? No one's going to be able to put it back. I mean, maybe a doctor, certainly not us. Yeah. But we can tell you how much money you could potentially be owed under the law because someone else who was negligent caused you that injury. Well, that calculator for the first time, as far as I know, in Canada here, does just that. My team and I, a while back, have gone through the cases across the country, across Canada, have looked at legal cases where cases gone all the way to trial. 
where trial judges have said, John, your broken back is worth X. Uh, uh, Chris, your torn tendon is worth Y. Very, very important to understand that we didn't just come up with these numbers out of thin air. We've actually scoured the legal databases across the country. We've put it together. We've put together an algorithm so that when you input the information into the calculator, what kind of information? Information such as uh, what kind of injury you suffered, what is the severity of the injury, how old are you? It takes that information and searches the database and then tells you here is the range of pain and suffering you could get. So if it tells you that for an ankle injury, for example, you should be getting thirty to $40,000 as an example, the reason why you have that range is because different judges still come up with different amounts depending on the case, right? You can have one person uh, that suffered a back injury and it doesn't bother them as much as someone else who suffered an identical back injury, but perhaps is older and it does affect them a lot more. So again, that's why you have these ranges. But it's very, very important to understand that this calculator only provides you with a range for pain and suffering, not for other categories. And again, oftentimes the other categories may dwarf the amount for pain and suffering. Okay, well, I just went to it right now, injurycalculator.ca. So here we go. Accident date, October 1st. Location, Toronto. How old are you? Okay, I'm 45. Fine. right? (laughs) Yeah, I wish. It was a car accident at fault. No, someone else. Injury factor income, yes, continue. Uh, How has this income been affected? I'm not working at all. Okay, continue, nice. Uh, Disc bulge, tear of a ligament or muscles, that sounds groovy. Okay. Did you require surgery? No, we didn't require surgery. Continue. Boom, there we go. That's it. There. That's as much time as it took. Right. And the range is between 10,000 and 30,000 for pain and suffering. That's right. how easy this is. It is. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. And, and you know, sometimes the ranges are a lot larger than that. Again, keep in mind, we're not coming up with the ranges out of thin air. Right. This is what the case law, the cases across the country that we've accumulated tell us in terms of what a judge could potentially be awarding you. Not more, not less. Injurycalculator.ca. Check it out. We'll take a short break. Try it for yourself. 416-216-5910. And we'll bounce right back with an email after a short break. That is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio. AM 640. 416-216-5910. That'll get you a hold of Savannah anytime. And help at the insurancelawyer.ca is the email. Uh, John from Peterborough writes in. Savannah says, I was cut off my long-term disability payments this past week because my insurance company says that I am not quote-unquote totally disabled, but I can't work because of my back injury. I had a car accident two years ago. My disability adjuster says that I should go after the, uh, the guy who caused my accident. Is that what I should do? Well, John, this is the classic point-your-finger mm-hmm. syndrome that insurance companies ha- uh, have. And, and, you know, this is very, very common. Insurance companies, if they don't have to pay, they won't pay, right? That's the model. Remember, take your money and not pay or pay as little as possible. I'm not blaming them for it because this is the business and this is the model that we have and what the law says. But but what the insurance company is telling you here is incorrect. Uh, So it does not mean that you should not go after whoever caused the accident because you should. But what's incorrect about the advice is that you should not challenge the insurance company's rejection of your claim saying that you are not totally disabled. This is interesting, by the way, John. They're saying he's not totally disabled, but they're still telling him to go after the person who caused the accident. So they're acknowledging that there is a problem, right? So what I do in these cases, uh, John, is I go after both. I go after whoever caused the accident because as far as I'm concerned, they are the negligent party. Their insurance company should be at the table when we negotiate proper resolution, proper settlement of your claim. But your 
LTD insurer should also be there. Why? For a very simple reason. And it's something that many lawyers actually don't get, let alone individuals who are injured. You want all of the decision makers, all of the insurance companies that may have to pay out at the table. Why? Because myself, as the lawyer representing the individual, I'm saying, listen, here are my client's injuries and damages. Here's the full scope of compensation that I am looking for. You insurance companies, you, guys figure it out. you figure out how you apportion it. Nice. You put it on them. As soon as as soon as you start different claims against different insurers at different times, you are essentially creating a situation where they're going to finger point at each other. They're never going to actually talk to each other. Yeah. And you're going to get a little bit from company X, a little bit from company Y. I'm guaranteeing you, John, you're going to end up with a gap or gaps in in, yeah. in in the compensation. So you want everyone there at the table. And oftentimes when we have mediations, in fact, I have coming up uh, a particular uh, uh, car accident mediation coming up in January where we've invited the long-term disability insurance company to the mediation. If they don't accept, we'll simply continue with the claim against them. But you want everyone there. So it's incorrect to say that, no, the person who caused you the accident, they're the only one you should go after. When the insurance company, the LTD insurer here, clearly has exposure because clearly you cannot go back to work and you are totally disabled. I'm assuming, of course, that your own family, that your family doctor, yeah. your specialists are, are supporting that disability. And if they are, again, you have claims here both against the car accident uh, uh, at-fault driver as well as your insurance company. One last thing I'll say is that you mentioned that the car accident happened two years ago. Be very, very careful about that limitation yep. period. I don't know if you have a lawyer already or not, but be very, very careful not to pass the two-year limitation period for the car accident. 416-216-5910 if you need to call uh, Savannah in that regard. Uh, we we talked about this off the uh, beginning of the show, and that's often that insurers often argue that the disability is quote-unquote invisible, and therefore it's subjective. What does that, uh, what does that mean in, in, in insurance speak? Invisible injuries. Well, you know, if you have back pain because of a car accident, but you can't see anything on an MRI or an X-ray, the general lingo or the way that lawyers and insurance companies approach the cases are saying, well, we're dealing with an invisible injury. And, you know, in a way, it's not, it's not a fair comment because when you say invisible injury, what you're trying to essentially say is that we don't have objective findings, meaning we can't see the broken bone because there's no broken bone. Uh, so uh, a non-invisible injury is something like a broken bone, right? Because it is visible. Sure. Invisible means everything else. So it could be depression, could be anxiety, exactly. brain injuries if it's not on a exactly, X-ray, exactly, right? exactly. But the problem is that many people feel like, well, you know, I can't really show this injury on an X-ray, or I have depression, and you know, there's no, uh, there's no way for me to really prove it. You know, quote unquote, prove doctors. it. Doctors, exactly. That's one way to do it to get treatments and get supporting reports mm-hmm. from them. Uh, but it's very important to understand that the fact that the injury is not visible somewhere doesn't mean that it doesn't impact you and doesn't debilitate you. It in doesn't fact, lessen your case. It doesn't lessen your case. Right. In fact, in fact, uh, I can't get into it too much because I recently resolved a case, a fairly significant case, uh, where we, we had, it was a disability case, and it, it got resolved uh, close to $300,000. And, and, you oh, know, the, the, the funny thing is that at the opening statement of the lawyer, on the other side, the defense lawyer, was that we are dealing with an invisible injury. Well, that invisible injury settled for almost $300,000. And, you know, it was fantastic settlement, but it just shows you that if you have the right lawyer and they prepare the case correctly and you follow the advice that I am giving you, which is that get your treatments, get proper treatment providers, make sure you get the right specialists, make sure it's documented, you know, your injuries, your impairments, 
make sure that they provide the proper reports. If you do all that, you can maximize the value of your case and visible versus invisible injury doesn't matter because you are still impaired and you still deserve compensation. Ever see 300,000 on a table? It's not invisible. <laughs> it's not invisible. Pretty visible. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fairly it's, visible. Well, it was very visible, both uh, for the insurance adjuster and my client. We'll take a, a quick break. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Have any other questions outside of show hours, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Maria uh, from Hamilton, or from Milton rather, writes in uh, and says, how do I know if my long-term disability benefits are taxable? If I settle with them for a lump sum, would that amount be taxable? That's a significant question. It is. Uh, good questions, Maria. So generally speaking, if you had paid for your long-term disability coverage before you became disabled, you know, the, the, all, the, of it? all of it, okay. exactly. So, you know, if whatever, 50 bucks a month gets taken off of your salary to pay for that, there's That's no co-pay, taxable. there's nothing. Then if you become disabled and you access long-term disability, you're not going to be taxed on that amount. If your employer contributes to the premiums or pays for the premiums, generally speaking, you're going to be taxed on the amount. Okay? So that's the test. The test is who paid for the coverage when you were not Mm -hmm. disabled. And does the, the, you're not an accountant, I know, but does the taxable portion coincide with, so if it's 50-50, you and your employer, you get get taxed on 50% of it? No. No, Come on. No, you get taxed. Yeah, you get taxed on the entire amount. Yeah. Government, eh? That's the way it works, John. But the second question for, that Maria had was, if I settle with them for a lump sum, would that amount be taxable? Yeah. Again, excellent question. So when I go to a mediation, uh, it's because my client was, uh, let's say, cut off disability. And let's say they were cut off six months ago. Mm-hmm. The insurance company is interested most times uh, in resolving the case. And one way to resolve the case is to do it on a lump sum basis as opposed to reinstating you. In other words, paying you whatever they should have paid you uh, from when they cut you off until today and then every month thereafter. What they may do is they may say, listen, let's just do a lump sum settlement. But that's going to be broken down between the retroactive pay, right? So if six months ago they cut you off, there's going to be an amount owed to you for those six months. And they're going to pay you X amount of years into the future if that's the settlement. And so generally speaking, the amount that they owe you retroactively, right, for the last six months, there will be a tax withholding on that. Okay. But for the future amount, you're not going to be paying tax. Okay. That's the way it usually works. So if the past amount was worth $20,000, they're usually going to withhold about 30% of that, okay, for taxes. Right. It may even out at the, end of the, you know, at, at the end of the year in terms of what your accountant does and all that. But the point is that... Uh, they paid you twenty grand for the last six months, let's say, and for the next five years, you end up getting I don't know one hundred to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's not taxable. By the way, that's a good question, Maria, because that's one of the things I always say in long-term disability claims. The longer you wait after you're denied a claim, or uh, once you're rejected uh, or, or cut off, uh, the more eventually you're going to have to pay in tax because the longer that retroactive pay is going to be. Right, right. So to put it in perspective, let's say that you were denied two years ago, and only now, because you heard the show, you're coming to me to help you. We go to a mediation, let's say six months from now. Well, that's already two and a half years worth of retroactive pay. If you had come to me right when you were denied, right, Mm -hmm. and then six months later we were at a mediation, you'd only pay tax on that six months as opposed to the two and a half years. So again, very important to understand that these cases have to be moved quickly. 
And, you know, that's why I often chastise a lot of other lawyers who do long-term disability. And I say, listen, move these cases faster because at the end of the day, it's your client that's going to get dinged for the taxes they're going to have to pay. Does it make sense for a disabled person to try to go back to work while they're being paid long-term? Well, you know, if you try to go back to work and you are unable to, uh, then nobody's going to argue that you didn't try to mitigate, right? No one is going to argue that uh, you are simply sitting on the couch doing nothing, just waiting for a check. That said, that said, I always tell people, don't try to go back to work unless two things um, happen. Number one, your doctors are okay with it because oftentimes they will know if you're capable or not. But that's not where the analysis ends. Your doctors may think that you're able to go back to work, but perhaps you are not confident that you can, right? You just, you don't think, you think that your doctor perhaps is overly optimistic. If you feel that you can, in fact, try a return to work program, and if your doctors clear you, there is no reason whatsoever why you should not try to go back to work, both from a legal standpoint, okay, because at the end of the day, that's going to strengthen your case if you, in fact, fail and are, and are unable to go back, because uh, you show again that you're trying to mitigate, but also from a health standpoint and a job standpoint, right? I mean, you're showing everyone that you are trying to go back. It's better for you from a health standpoint. It's better for you from uh, the standpoint of trying to keep that employment going. See, a lot of people listening now are thinking, no, 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 no. If I go back, it looks like I'm not injured, so they're going to kick me off LTD, and I'd rather sit home and, and play injured. Even if I am really injured, I'd rather just sit home and not try. Yeah, but the insurance company is going to be throwing that argument your way anyways. You know, right. if you stay at home, do nothing, they're going to argue, you stayed at home, you did nothing right? You show us, you didn't even show us that you try to go back. If you try to go back and you fail, it's extremely difficult for them to say that you didn't try to mitigate. Remember, John, I used to do defense work. I used to throw these arguments at the other side. If I saw a plaintiff, someone who is either injured or disabled, who have had a history of trying to go back to work, but have been unsuccessful, and of course it's documented, both in the medical records as well as in HR for whatever company that we're working with, I couldn't argue that the person uh, was not credible because clearly they're credible. They're trying to go back to work as opposed to having someone who for three years just sat you know, at home doing nothing. Watch prices, right. Exactly. Yeah. And listen, sometimes you simply can't go back to work or your doctors are not clearing you. That's okay. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that if you think that you can physically and mentally go back and if your doctors clear you, you should go back to work. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to another email as soon as we return here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. Uh, Jesse from North York here, just north of us, says, My mother is 58 and has been un- uh, unable to work for almost a year now. The doctors don't know why, but they all say that her symptoms of memory loss are real. I've been trying to keep her with long-term disability insurance company, but they keep avoiding me and not returning my calls. She desperately needs help, and even the HR manager at her company says that she should be approved for LTD. Can you help? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, what do you This do? is not unusual, okay? Insurance adjuster, insurance companies are extremely busy. That's not an excuse, okay? We're but all busy. We're all busy, exactly. But if you keep trying to reach them, email phone calls, faxes, nothing gets done, give me a call. I can guarantee you that within hours of me getting involved and running them, we're going to get a response for a very simple reason, because I have something, I have a tool in my arsenal that they can't ignore, and that's the legal process. 
Okay, remember, insurance companies are not above the law. No one is above the law, except maybe some of the politicians in the States. But no and one... Steven Seagal, <laughs> all at one time. Yeah. But no, exactly. Just... No one is above the law, okay? So very, very important to understand that if we get involved and we essentially are... Um, um, muscle our way through the system, meaning we say to them, listen, you you give us a response by so-and-so date or we start a legal process, they will not ignore that. And if they do, it's at their peril. I can tell you that in all the years I've been practicing, I can count on one hand uh, the amount of times that an insurance company did not respond to one of my letters or emails. And usually that's happened because of sheer bureaucracy. Right. And that was rectified very, very quickly once we got a manager involved. So, uh, Jesse, it, it's, not, it's not difficult at all. It's just that as an individual, uh, either your messages are not getting through to the right person or they simply are ignoring you, hoping that you'll go away. I don't know which one is correct here, but I can tell you that a letter or an email from me will not be ignored. 416-216-5910, the number to get a hold of Savant anytime. So if a person's fired while they're on LTD, do they have to forfeit their severance to that insurer of the disability? The disability insurer? That's, that's an excellent question because, of course, we do a lot of employment work yep. at the office, right? Lior talks about uh, those issues on the employment hour, and oftentimes we have people who uh, not only come to me and my team for disability claims, but they're also dealing with their employer. And there is perhaps a termination or constructive dismissal. Something happens that generates severance. And then the question becomes, hold on for a second. I'm getting LTD from my insurance company, but I just got the severance. Well, the LTD is supposed to compensate me for the income that I'm not getting or a portion of it. And I'm just getting severance, which equates to X amount of months worth of my salary. So what's the interplay here? Well, for that, for the answer, we have to go to the specific uh, policy that governs the relationship. So if my client... Uh, is on LTD. He's on LTD because he's part of a policy, an LTD policy uh, with the insurance company. And that policy may or may not have a provision that states that if this individual, my client, is let go and receive severance, that severance is payable to the insurance company. If the policy contains a provision that says that, well, then the severance has to be either forfeited to the insurance company or when there when there is a settlement with the LTD insurer, uh, they take that into account exactly in, in calculating whether or not they should be. Uh, get, now, it, it doesn't mean that you just have to pay it directly to the insurance company. Oftentimes, we have a settlement with the LTD insurer. Uh, let's say the amount owed to my client is, for sake of simplicity, $100,000. Okay. And that person also received severance of $20,000 right. half a year ago. Well, when it comes time to settle, we may end up settling the case for $80,000. So it's not as though my client has to literally give the money back. It's just that from the settlement with the insurance company, the insurance company may insist on it. Correct. But keep in mind, that's not always the case because many policies of insurance don't contain that provision. And if they don't contain that provision, well, then it's arguable. And certainly I've argued that and had no issues arguing that, that the severance should not be uh, taken into account when negotiating a settlement with the insurance company. Got a minute or two left in this uh, segment here, so I'll squeeze in Georgina from Ottawa. Says my wife uh, was in a very bad car accident in late 2015, suffered a brain injury. She's been off work, and according to her specialists, uh, won't go back for a very long time, if ever. I've been trying to get a hold of our lawyer for over a month now, and he's not returning my calls. His secretary says he's he's always out. You talk about starting a claim against a driver that was at fault. Does he need to do that first? Do we need to do anything? I'm very concerned about this because I haven't heard anything. 
and lawyers on the ball. Well, Georgina, you should be very concerned, not because of the status of your claim, because I don't know what that is. I have no idea if a claim was started or not, but the mere fact that the lawyer is not communicating with you or there is no response from the law firm, that is a huge red sign for me. Uh, and that's not to say that the lawyer doesn't know what he or she is doing, but it's extremely unprofessional and would be very worrisome for me. So let me let me answer a few of the questions. Number one, if in fact it was such a terrible accident, such a horrendous situation that she suffered uh, a brain injury, uh, the claim against the at-fault driver should have been started almost immediately, okay? We're not even talking about the two-year mark, uh, which is, of course, very important, the limitation period. In cases like that, John, I, when the injuries are so severe, I start to claim ASAP for a very, very simple reason. I want to make sure that everyone that is or should be involved is involved. And if that means starting a claim against the at-fault driver so the insurance company understands that this is such a significant case that I've taken that step of urgently issuing a claim and starting the process, so be it. Very, very important. So my suggestion uh, uh, to, to you is, uh, Georgina, to, to just make sure that uh, you um, communicate with the law office and give them an actual deadline for responding to you. And I say that because, you know, uh, it, it's an extreme measure uh, to give them a deadline, but it's extremely important because the case is so important. And what do you say in, w- w- with that communication, with the email or the letter you're going to send? You're going to say, look... I've tried to communicate with you, write you, email you, phone you for the last month. Uh, and at this point, I don't know what's happening with the claim. I'm very concerned. And if I don't hear from you by so-and-so date and we don't have a meeting to discuss the status of the claim, I'm going to have to find alternative representation. And again, I'm not advocating for people out there who just switch lawyers willy-nilly. Okay, I, We don't do that. I think oftentimes it has a detrimental effect on a case. But in a situation where the lawyer is not communicating at all to a family that's clearly in distress, uh, it's an extreme measure that is in fact warranted. Very, very important. We'll take a quick break. Have more concerns? You can always call 416-216-5910 and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll wrap it up with an email today from Sherry. And Hamilton says, I slipped and fell in a convenience store in March on spilled milk. I hurt my shoulder as I fell on my right side. And my doctor just told me that the MRI shows a tear. And then I need to speak with a surgeon about possible surgery. Should I notify the convenience store about the surgery? They, uh, they, uh, the insurance adjuster rather for the store has been asking me to update him on injuries. Sherry, to go back to something I said at the beginning of the show, be very careful of dealing with insurance adjusters and insurance companies on your own. Unless you're in the field and in the industry, this is not an even match. Okay, You may think that uh, the adjuster is trying to help you and trying to understand more about your injury so they can compensate you. But at the end of the day, the adjuster has a job to do. He or she is hired by the insurance company not only to investigate the case, but to make recommendations to the powers that be in terms of how to resolve your case. So you may very well be offered some kind of a, of a sum of money at some point to resolve your case. And you know, along the process, I have no doubt that the insurance adjuster is going to ask you if she or he hasn't already uh, to give a statement, uh, to, to perhaps uh, sign that statement, or they may want to tape that statement. Be very careful in dealing with the insurance adjusters directly. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, should you notify the convenience store about the surgery? 
you don't need to. You don't need to. You need to get someone like myself. And again, you know, I, this is what I do. This is what my team and I do. You may not hire us, but at the very least, I'll be able to give you information in terms of what you should say, when you should say it, and how you should say it. Because you can be making a very small error along the way that could come bite, uh, sorry, could come back and, and, and really torpedo your chances of getting proper resolution and proper compensation down the road. So very important to understand people out there, if you are injured and are trying to deal with adjusters along the way, you want to be good, you, you know, you, 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 you want to cooperate with them, you don't want to have to involve lawyers. The reality is that uh, that may end up putting you in a much more difficult situation down the road when it comes time to negotiate. Remember that uh, that uh, uh, email, not email, the submission to the myaccentquestions.com website that I read at the beginning of the show. This lady whose husband was helping a neighbor and his hand went down the uh, snowblower chute yep. and, and uh, mangled his, his hand. Yeah. So she's asking me for a formula to calculate yeah. how much you should give the insurance yeah. company. Be very careful of dealing with insurance companies and adjusters directly. It's a recipe for disaster. Oh, they'll be friendly. They'll be extremely be nice, friendly because they're trying to, bit. of course, yeah, yeah, because they're trying to uh, get your guard down, right? That's where they're going to be very friendly. And oftentimes, again, I told you, I get people calling me or email me after listening to the show saying, hold on for a second. You're saying that I should have gotten X, you know, figures. I should have gotten $100,000 for this injury, but I sold it for 10000 Can I reopen the case? No, you can't. Done. You signed the release. It's done. Off the books. It's done. And it doesn't matter. And don't argue that there was duress here, okay? Nobody put a gun to your head, yeah. okay? Arguing duress almost never works. It's extremely uh, uh, rare to be able to argue that and succeed. Wrap it up. Give us some more details on the injury calculator before you... Uh... Before you get out of here. Go to it if you or someone you know, and by someone you know, I mean family members, friends, colleagues at work. If someone is injured as a result of someone else's negligence and they want to know how much they're owed, I'm going to say owed and highlight that under the law for their injuries, go to that free and anonymous online tool, injurycalculator.ca, 15, 20 seconds. Just input some key information and you'll see how much it is that the cases in Canada, uh, how much judges have awarded people in your situation. Very, very, very important tool. And in the meantime, you want to ask some other questions online, go to mydisabilityquestions.com, drop down menu. There's a good chance your question's already been asked by someone else and answered. If not, you can input it and Savannah will be uh, right on top of it. And the phone number to close, 416-216-5910. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here, Talk Radio, AM640.